Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Thursday, December 28th, 2023. Our dear friend, Professor Jeffrey Sachs, joins us today. Professor Sachs, always a pleasure. The best to you uh, in this holiday season. And my gratitude and the gratitude of uh, all of my viewers and listeners for the time you spend with us. Thank you so much. And well, thank happy you for joining new, Happy New Year to you and, and everybody else listening. Uh, let's thank you. For a good thank 2024. You. I want to discuss big picture about why you believe U.S. foreign policy is a scam built on corruption. But before we do, a couple of granular questions about Ukraine and about uh, Gaza. Over the uh, Christmas weekend, the a uh, commander-in-chief of the uh, Ukraine military, General Zaluzhny, held a press conference at which he said he needs 500,000 more troops. And in response to that, President Zelensky said, yes, we need 500,000 more troops and we need 13 billion U.S. dollars uh, to uh, house, feed, clothe, and train them. Isn't the war effectively over and are these two delusional? Well, these two are are uh, desperate for their own position. Uh, Ukraine is being uh, slaughtered. Uh, Russia is dominant on the battlefield. We have heard in recent weeks uh, so many details of how the United States stopped an agreement between Ukraine and Russia, which would have spared Ukraine of this war. And the U.S. stopped it because it told the Ukrainians, you keep fighting. And the Ukrainians have lost hundreds of thousands of people. You have these two, Zeluzhny and Zelensky, who are basically in the U.S. pocket and have been funded by the U.S. And the U.S. told them, fight. And it's been a bloodbath and a disaster. And it continues to be so. And it will continue to be so. And so this is an end game. And it's a shame of Biden who caused this because Biden stopped uh, negotiations that would have ended the conflict in March or April 2022. And now this has been widely reported. We talked about it months ago because I knew it directly from the Turkish negotiators and from others. But now the news has spilled out into the public. In other words, this is a war that is causing disaster in Ukraine, that is causing a massive cost to the United States, that is serving no useful purpose, 
and that was prolonged deliberately by Biden in some completely miscalculated idea that this would weaken Russia when it's done exactly the opposite, of course. It strengthened Russia, led to a massive upgrading of Russia's military technology, the size of Russia's army, and um, all of this was predictable, except that we have a completely incompetent uh, administration. The uh, Financial Times reports that uh, the uh, Zelensky administration recognizes they're not likely to get the $68 billion that they want from Congress, and so they're trying to get a loan from the EU. That was vetoed by President Orban uh, of Hungary, but it appears, according to the Financial Times, EU country members on their own are pooling together a loan of $20 billion to the Ukrainian government. I mean, such a loan is is crazy. If it would ever be paid back, it would be paid back by the United States. They don't have the ability to pay it back. Their government will collapse without United States dollars on a regular basis. Am I reading this right? No, this is all pathetic because it's all uh, in denial of basic facts that have been evident for many, many years that this is a war caused by the U.S. Uh, insistence that uh, Ukraine be part of the U.S.-NATO military alliance. And uh, the U.S. has persisted in this. And even when peace on the basis of Ukraine's neutrality was at hand in 2022, the United States stopped it. The Europeans uh, act like vassal states to the U.S. Uh, these are deeply unpopular governments in Europe. There's not a popular leader in Europe right now. They're losing elections massively one after the other because this is a plan that has just gone over the cliff. It was a terrible idea. It was based on a set of miscalculations uh, of the U.S. military industrial complex with Biden out there as the, the front person. And it's gone horribly wrong. And, and they they can't admit it because they're all parties to this uh, horrible uh, outcome. And so they don't want to admit it. They'd rather double down. It's not them fighting after all. It's not their money. It's everybody's doing it on deficit spending and, and on uh, not their soldiers, but on only Ukrainians dying. Now, Ukrainian young women who are being pulled off the streets, drafted, sent to the front lines to be killed. It's just unbelievable. But this is what happens when this becomes a, a personal venture of a small number of people sold to the public on completely false pretenses, lies all the way, not uh, on money voted by governments, but finding every subterfuge to just add to the pile of debt without accountability or responsibility. This is what's happened. We now have a foreign policy in the hands of a few people. They happen to be incompetent aside from everything else. Or there's another theory, which is they don't really care so much about the outcome. It's the war itself that's the desirable right. part because it's big business. Switching gears um, to the Middle East, do you see any uh, let up in the slaughter of Gazans, the indiscriminate slaughter of civilians by the Israeli forces? Well, qu quite the contrary. We see an intensification of mass murder, basically, 
war crimes committed every day, and the Israelis uh, saying that they're going to extend the war into Lebanon. Uh, all of this depends uh, daily on U.S. munitions. Uh, Israel cannot do this uh, other than with the U.S. Uh, as a direct partner. This is not the U.S. giving a green light or the U.S. blocking vetoes in the U.N. This is the U.S. as a direct partner every day in the munitions needed to kill people massively. Again, unbelievable. Uh, and it's all done, uh, again, on so many false pretenses. And it's a mass murder. Uh, the Center for Constitutional Rights uh, in New York, a legal think tank, uh, has uh, uh, enabled a group of Palestinians to file a lawsuit uh, in U.S. federal court charging a U.S. government complicity in genocide. And if one goes to the website of the Center for Constitutional Rights, uh, you find an extremely detailed uh, set of uh, briefs, first the first complaint and now a follow-up brief, documenting the genocidal intent and actions of the Israeli government. And the U.S. is party to this. It has no possible successful endpoint, by the way. It, there's no possible successful endpoint because it's based on a fundamentally impossible political idea, which is the Netanyahu government's political idea that Israel is going to dominate the entire region, uh, the West Bank, East Jerusalem, Gaza, on a permanent basis. That's right. the political idea. It's impossible because there can never be peace on that basis. And uh, even Biden, who basically mumbles for a living, as far as I'm concerned, because he doesn't act like a president, says, well, that's not possible. And yet he shovels the munitions every day to support that completely impossible cause. Here's uh, President Erdogan uh, of Turkey uh, yesterday using very harsh language. I don't know if his bark is worse than his bite, uh, Professor Sachs. Uh, I'll let you opine on that, but this is uh, cut number one in the new list, Chris. This is very, very harsh uh, language about uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu. And right in front of our eyes for 80 days, all virtues relating to humanity have been uh, shot at. At stadiums, we saw the Nazi camps of Israelis. How does this happen? They used to talk about Hitler, but how are you any different than Hitler? This is even worse than Hitler. What Netanyahu is doing is no less than what Hitler did. So, Hitler was not as rich as he was. He is richer than Hitler. He takes support from the West. He receives every kind of support from the US. And with all that support, more than 20,000 Gazans were killed. The voice that is standing with the innocent and the oppressed is the voice of the Muslim Turk. 
Savaşta bile dokunulmaması gereken Even during war, hospitals or schools or houses of worship or universities should not be touched but they were bombed. Gazin scientists were martyred together with their families. The barbarism in Gaza was covered by journalists but close to 100 journalists were massacred. Is there a military significance to what he says, meaning might he become a state actor in the in the uh, conflict in order to uh, repel the Israelis, or is he just blowing off steam? Steam which uh, articulates a view held by a billion people. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Well, probably. Well, let, let me just say, uh, as, as we've been uh, speaking in recent weeks, I've been in Abu Dhabi, uh, Dubai, Qatar, uh, Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. Uh, I've been uh, meeting with uh, uh, diplomats from a very large number of countries um, President Erdogan used a very strong language, but I can tell you the sentiment is uh, nearly universal. Uh, and uh, it's not restricted to uh, the Islamic world either. Um, there was a vote last week, basically not reported in the U.S. press, but a vote uh, of the U.N. General Assembly calling for Palestinian political uh, self-determination. That vote uh, passed unanimously but for four votes in the whole chamber those mm. four votes were the united states israel micronesia and nauru now people may not know micronesia and nauru but micronesia <laughs> is a tiny island with 113,000 people i believe nauru uh, is a tiny island i happened to visit recently with 12,000 people um in other words the entire world, other than the United States and Israel and uh, the tiniest places, are um, aghast at what's happening. This has its own profound significance. The United States stands completely isolated globally for supporting Israel in this massacre. And the consequences of that are being felt all over the world in shifting 
alliances, in economic patterns, uh, in changing geopolitical structures, uh, even in uh, the use of the dollar as currency and many other things, uh, there is a massive, a seismic change of geopolitics underway in which the U.S. has chosen nearly total isolation in the world. I see it every day uh, because my job is to be out in the world discussing issues of economic development and finance, uh, the global economy, trade, uh, the currency system. And what's happening is uh, the, the U.S., uh, so contrary to being what uh, Biden it, in his fantasy thinks that the world looks to the U.S. for leadership, the world looks at the U.S. aghast. The U.S. stands alone with Israel. Of course, uh, the world's even more aghast at what Israel is doing because we haven't had uh, the real-time video feed of uh, mass slaughter quite this way before. Of course, we've had war in our living rooms uh, on our social media or television broadcasts, but the real-time slaughter, and as President Erdogan said, of hospitals and schools, I would add mosques, uh, apartment buildings, uh, this is an attempt stated by the Israelis, although we don't want to hear it, so we try not to hear the actual words that are used, but to make Gaza uninhabitable. And that's that's got a purpose that also needs to be understood. Israel is not fighting Hamas. Israel is fighting for a greater Israel, which is a, a kind of messianic, biblical idea uh, that uh, now is in political ascendancy in Israel, that Israel has the right to control all of the area. It has the right to control the millions and millions of Palestinians because to some uh, zealots believe, and they are powerful right now, God said so in the book of Joshua sometime around the 5th century B.C. And you can't really make this up because this is 21st century stuff, and right. it's devastating. And this is what we're siding with. I don't think Americans really understand what is motivating the Israelis. I don't think Americans understand the risk of this war widening very significantly, very dangerously, and very fast. But this is what we're up against. And unfortunately, we have a president who's not effectively a president. I don't know what he is, but uh, it's, it's the worst foreign policy imaginable right now. And it's led us to uh, to, to basically, uh, okay, I'll be nice. Uh, it's, it's, uh, the world against four countries. You could say it's against two really. Right. Uh, right. You, you say it's the worst foreign policy imaginable. You are of course, a student of American foreign policy. Uh, you have studied it as a, as a student and, and, and as a professor and, and teacher and diplomat, and you have concluded this is a dreadful conclusion, Professor Sachs. I agree with you. Everybody watching and listening to us now agrees with you. Mearsheimer and, and McGregor and all the others agree with you, but it's harsh. U.S. foreign policy is a scam built on corruption. 
Why do you say that? You know, I've been trying to understand uh, how it is that every single uh, American foreign policy in the, in the last uh, couple of decades, one could go back, but let me let me start with the year 2000, basically, has failed miserably. The U.S. said, okay, we're going to get rid of the Taliban in Afghanistan. Well, the Taliban uh, is, is there. The U.S. said, we're going to make uh, Iraq, you know, a great uh, U.S. ally. Uh, and Iraq is, a, of course, a great ally of Iran, its next door neighbor. Okay, we're going to get rid of Bashar al-Assad, the Syrian president. Well, he's there, but the U.S. CIA-led effort cost hundreds of thousands of deaths uh, in the interim. The U.S. said, we're going to make Libya uh, in our image and uh, bombed Libya in 2011 uh, and overthrew the government of Muammar Gaddafi and unleashed a uh, a war. I was going to say civil war. Well, there is a civil war in Libya, but it's a war throughout Africa now because what spilled out of Libya was armaments and jihadists and mercenaries that have spread throughout much of Central and Western Africa by now. The U.S. said, we're going to uh, overthrow uh, Yanukovych, the Ukrainian president, in February 2014. The new government's going to call for NATO enlargement. We're going to move in. That was the Biden, Sullivan, Newland plan. Uh, and what do we have? We have a war that has been raging for nine years in which uh, Ukraine is getting picked to pieces because uh, our side completely blew it. So there was a, another absurd article by uh, one of the Kagan family, a man named Frederick Kagan, who works at the American Enterprise Institute. And it was a typical article by him because every year, basically, or every couple of years, he talks about some great villain of the United States and how we have to spend billions and billions of dollars to fight them because it's the greatest. And he went on again. And so I was going to respond. And then I thought, you know, something's a little deeper than this. It's one failure after another. Absolute disaster after another. Trillions of dollars down the drain. And it's the same cast of characters. And it makes you think it's not just a lack of accountability. There's something obvious. <laughs> it's in plain sight what's happening. In a way, they're winning. They're not winning in anything that has to do with my interests or your interests, Judge, or the interests of the American people. But they've gotten the military spending and the defense-related budget up to about $1.5 trillion this year. More contracts spilling out everywhere. They got two wars going on. This is phenomenal. Can you imagine Raytheon and, and uh, Lockheed and Northrop Grumman and others? We got two wars, and maybe the wars are going to spread, in fact. And they've been able to mobilize $5 trillion over this period in failed efforts, and they're still there. The very same is, people. Is that, is that what the U.S. has spent since 9-11? Five trillion dollars in all these failed wars. The the, the uh, estimate is you know worth people looking at. You can go to the website of the Watson, uh, sorry Watson Institute, 
uh, at Brown University, which has been uh, looking at the costs of these wars for many, many years with the great detail. Their estimate is basically, they use an estimate of $8 trillion, but mm. uh, I just want to be cautious. The $5 trillion is roughly the direct outlays. Another trillion is roughly the interest on the debt taken for the first $5 trillion right, in outlays. Right, right, and then right. $2 trillion that they add in to reach eight is for the future healthcare costs of the veterans whose limbs were destroyed, who face so many uh, health conditions as a result. This is U.S. veterans as a result of these wars. So they put the number at eight trillion. I put the number at five trillion because I said the future costs, well, that's uh, for the future. And I didn't count uh, the interest on the debt. But we're talking about tens of thousands of dollars per household and for nothing, absolutely not one single positive result. And why these people aren't chased out of town is the real mystery. And the answer is they own the town. That's the point. They own the town. You know, it, it, there's, there's an old uh, ancient, uh, maybe not very funny joke, but I've always liked it from my childhood of, uh, you know, the guy who leaves the factory every night with a wheelbarrow full of straw and the guard looks through the straw, can't find anything, knows the guy's stealing something, but it goes on for years. And finally, this guy retires and, and the guard calls him over, says, look, you've, you know, you pulled something on us. I don't get what it is. I look through the straw every night. What were you stealing? And the guy said, wheelbarrows. <laughs> and so for me, this is the real story of what's happening. They're making wars as business. This is business. It's hundreds of billions of dollars of contracts. It's big business. And the business is everywhere. If you're in the Atlantic Council, you're paid for by the military complex. If you're part of this Institute for the Study of War, which is part of the Kagan family enterprise, you're paid for by this. It's, it's the whole business of Washington. The military or defense industry, so-called, although defense is a euphemism for military, spends about $150 billion a year in lobbying. According to OpenSecrets.org, about 72% of those lobbyists are recycled from the U.S. government, the revolving door. So this is part of the scam. And then every day, every month, we're told we must spend more. We must spend more. The dangers are greater. We're going to have... Uh, the Ukraine war, we have Gaza, we're going to have the war in the Red Sea, uh, the Middle East could expand, Don't let's not forget Taiwan next year, and on and on and on. And it doesn't matter whether a word of what they say makes sense. They're stealing the wheelbarrows. What they're doing is getting budgets that are busting the federal government. We have a debt that is more than 100% of our gross national product now. None of these wars is paid for. None of this military spending is paid for. We're all doing it on borrowing basis right now. Interest rates have soared and we're digging in deeper and we have these leaders of Congress, leaders, this is a strange idea, but we have these people in Congress 
whose campaigns are paid for by the defense industry, like the chair of the House, uh, the uh, House Armed Services Committee, Mike Rogers. His whole profession, his whole career is paid for by the military industry. And he's out there every day saying, oh, my colleagues in the Republican Party, they've lost, you know, they've lost the melody. They don't want to keep funding this. Now, the Democrats have been the real warmongers in recent years. The Republicans are trying to hold back, but some of them are completely bought off by the military, others not. And that's where the battle lies uh, as we go into the new year, because as soon as Congress reconvenes, we're going to hear how absolutely urgent it is to spend tens of billions of dollars immediately, if not an even expanded ask that Biden's going to ask for to keep everybody happy in this little game. And of course, nobody's happy because this is a complete tragedy for Ukraine. It's a devastation for Palestine. It's a horrible outcome for U.S. foreign policy and for our place in the world. And all of it fails. But the one thing that has succeeded to this moment, at least, is the money keeps flowing. I'm going to let you rest your voice for just a minute, uh, Professor Sachs. Here's um, retired U.S. Army Colonel Marianne Wright testifying in a form with which you're familiar, uh, the United Nations. And she found a quote from Secretary Blinken boasting that, oh, all this money was spent, 90% of it comes back to the U.S. for all the, and enriches the workers uh, at military uh, and munitions plants. Take a listen. Right now, the United States is providing weapons in two conflicts, the Ukraine-Russia conflict and Israel-Gaza. Uh, we know more, much, I know much more about, because I'm an American citizen, I watch this stuff, uh, how much military equipment is being provided for, by, by my country. Uh, just uh, four or five days ago on December 7th in a press conference with uh, the UK Foreign Minister David Cameron, uh, Secretary of State Blinken said that in the last two years the US has provided over $70 billion to support Ukraine and European allies have provided over $110 million in weapons. Blinken said, if you look at these investments that we've made in Ukraine's defense to deal with this aggression, 90% of the security assistance we've provided has actually been spent here in the United States with our manufacturers, with our production, and that's produced more American jobs, more growth in our own economy. So this has been a win-win that we need to continue. Terry Industrial Complex, through its network of allies and control of the Congress effectively control American foreign policy, prop up a, a false idea of an enemy, whip up uh, propaganda in favor of war. You know, the fact that Blinken resorts to this and, and the White House passed around fact sheets of where the munitions factories are across the United States shows the desperation. They couldn't win on the facts. Uh, they lied about the causes of the wars. They lied about the progress of the wars. They lied about the military and civilian disasters of the wars. They lost the argument that this is in the American interest in foreign policy or security or anything like that. And so they resorted to this uh, last desperation of saying, you got factories uh, in, in, in your 
uh, in your district as if this is the best use of uh, the American people and know-how and technology uh, is to be uh, making uh, munitions that massively kill people and that do absolutely nothing for the American people other than tragically make us complicit in this against our will uh, and also raise the debt that we're going to have to pay for all of this uh, as, right. as if uh, our workers couldn't be doing something else. And I, I just want to underscore as an economist, uh, Blinken's uh, total phony uh, use of the word investment. He right. said in investment in Ukraine. You know, investment is a term in economics. It means you build some capital, which gives you uh, the ability to be more productive in the future. We're not making an investment in Ukraine. We are destroying Ukraine through these munitions. So the idea that this is an investment, well, <laughs> this is an investment that makes you bankrupt, that uh, kills hundreds of thousands of people. I'm sorry, to I didn't mean to laugh at that point. And is destroying the physical infrastructure. That's not an investment, Secretary Blinken. That is a disaster. And you should I, stop. I know. I know uh, you're on vacation, but this will uh, raise your blood pressure. Here's what Senator Lindsey Graham says. You can imagine what's coming if you haven't seen this. Uh, no, but, should... I, but it's an, I, I know everything is possible out of that man's mouth. Right. Here's what he says we should do next. Uh, Secretary Austin and the Biden administration is failing our troops in the field. I admire him. Uh, he's a patriot, but he's not doing a good job protecting the soldiers. I asked him a couple of months ago, Joey, what you were talking about. Is there a red line? Would you tell our enemies publicly that if you kill an American, we're coming after you? Without Iran, there are no Houthis. The Houthis are completely backed by Iran. I've been saying for six months now, hit Iran. They have oil fields out in the open. They have the um, Revolutionary Guard headquarters you can see from space. Blow it off the map. Start World War III, Senator. The, the man's an idiot and always has been, I'm sorry to say, for as long as he's been uh, saying such things. It, it's almost like a Photoshopped video because you could go back and find uh, Lindsey Graham saying, hit him, bomb him, about just about any place, anywhere in the world. That's his <laughs> one mode of operation. You don't have to uh, even know exactly who we're supposed to be bombing on this particular day. That's that's the whole idea uh, in, uh, in, in this guy's head. And he's, of course, one of the disastrous authors of American foreign policy of the last 20 years. Take out his record, look at every single war that he has called for, uh, look at all this spending He's a disaster, and he should be apologizing to the American people rather than calling for more war. Professor Sachs, thank you very much for uh, taking the time to join us today and all the many, many times in 2023. Um, you are a fan favorite, as I'm sure you know, and I hope uh, we can continue to work together uh, in the new year. Of course we will. And Happy New Year to you and to everybody. Thanks Thank you. Thank you. All the best. Bye-bye. Bye. Wow. Professor Sachs uh, at his best. At 2 o'clock this afternoon, 
Eastern, Scott Horton, why do presidents kill? And at three o'clock this afternoon, Colonel Kwiatkowski, why is government indifferent to evil? We're ending up with a bang in 2023. Judge Napolitano for judging freedom. <laughs>